Well, hey, good morning and welcome to our COTK online service. I'm coming to you from the Nell's awesome house. And so if you hear a little bell running around, it's, it's the cool dog, Snowball, who's my favorite dog. Um, don't tell my own dogs. But uh, anyway, we're so glad that you guys are here today. Um, I want to talk today about something that you're going to be like, wait, what? When I say it, um, but it came out of a conversation that my wife and I had a little bit ago uh, this week. Uh, the title for today is called When Miracles Don't Happen. And you're already like, okay, uh, I'm turning it off now because obviously Jesus has left the building. No, no, don't go anywhere yet. It's okay. Um, but here's the thing. If you get nothing else out of today, and by the way, miracles do happen, but just sometimes there are miracles that don't happen. And so, But if you get nothing else out of today, there's three things I want you to know, and you're going to hear them a few times today. But the first is this, that I can trust God. So just, just you're at home with me. And by the way, when I'm doing this on Sunday morning, we're going to be saying it out loud in the auditorium at Hamilton as well this week. But just say, I can trust God. So go ahead. I can trust God. Good job. That's awesome. I could hear you even over here. Uh, should I trust? Or I'm sorry. So I can trust God, and then I should trust God. So say, I, I should trust God. So I can trust God, and I should trust God. Well done. All right. And then last but not least is I must trust God. So go ahead and say it. I must trust God. Well done. So I can trust God. I should trust God. I must trust God. If you get nothing else out of today, please know those three things. So here's the thing. Sometimes miracles don't happen the way we think. One of my one of my all-time favorite movies, like hands down, my favorite is The Princess Bride. And if you have not seen this movie, you just, you need to. And if you hate it, I'm sorry. You need to find Jesus. But this movie is just amazing. But there's a line in there where they come to the miracle man, Max, who's played by Billy Crystal. And it's, it's just this incredible scene. But they come to Miracle Max and they ask him for a miracle. And he's like, hey, please, sir, we're in a hurry. And he goes, don't rush a miracle, man. Because if you do, you might get a rotten miracle. And sometimes these things, and they, they actually got a good miracle out of the deal. But even then, it didn't go the way they thought it would go. Like instead of just this guy coming back to life, like first of all, his he came alive, but his nothing could work. And sometimes miracles don't go the way we think. One of my favorite uh, in real life stories is of a guy named Smith Wigglesworth. And if you ever want to just have um, some amazing time of just challenging your faith and what God can do, I, I really encourage you to read about this man named Smith Wigglesworth. He was a plumber in England and got radically saved. And God, um, one of the things about Smith is he just, believed God. He would only read the Bible. That was it. He wouldn't read newspapers. He would read the Bible and that was it. And he prayed a lot of time in prayer. And God used him in some amazing ways in healing. And one of my favorite stories of him was that one time God said, hey, there's this guy over here that you know, and he just passed away and I need you to go and raise him from the dead. And so this is back, I believe in the forties. Uh, and so Smith gets on a, a train and, and goes to this area. And so he walks into this place where the funeral is going on and everyone's just mourning their friend that just passed away. And he walks up to the, to the casket, grabs the man out of the casket and throws him against the wall and says, live. He picks him up again. I said live and throws him against the wall. He does this seven times. And about the time he's getting to number seven, everyone's getting, at this point, really teed off. I mean, if you can imagine someone coming in for your grandpa's funeral and they're literally taking his body out of the casket and throwing him against the wall. This is crazy. On the seventh time, the man wakes up and he's totally alive. It's just wild. But how many of you guys know that, that that family that day had no idea a miracle was coming, but then Smith had no idea that God was going to make him do that seven different times before that dude would start living and breathing again. Sometimes miracles don't go always the way they think. But also there's some times when miracles don't happen. They don't happen. We sit there like, hey, God, what's going on with this? And so 
I'm going to go through, and there's going to be 12 things. That's what I'm saying. The things I want you to remember out of today is that I can trust God, I should trust God, and I must trust God. Those three things I need you to know. But I'm going to give you just kind of 12 things. We're going to go through a lot of scripture, and I'm already like five minutes into this. So let's roll. The first thing is this. I need to be humble and ask for prayer, okay? James 5.14, that last half of it says this. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Here's the thing. Sometimes your miracle isn't happening because you're not opening your mouth. You're too proud to speak out and go, hey, I've got an issue going on. I need some help with this. We sometimes sit there and go, God, why aren't you doing anything? And God's like, hey, man. Go grab somebody. Go grab someone from your church, some elders from your church, some people you know, trust, that love you, that have God's ear. Get them to pray for you because their prayer of faith, wow, that is a tongue twister. Their prayer of faith is what's going to heal you. And so sometimes we don't have it because we haven't been humble enough to go, hey, I need, I need some help. I need some prayer. The second thing is this. I need to understand that just because my miracle is not happening, it might not be because of my faith. Okay, I'm gonna say it again. Just because a miracle is not happening, it might not be because of your faith. James 5.15 says, a prayer offered in faith, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. Let me ask this question. We just read the first one. Who was the one doing the praying? Was it the person who was sick or was it the elders of the church? It was the elders of the church. So whose prayer of faith was it that made the sick person well? It was the elders of the church. Here's the thing. I came from a very charismatic church background. And if you've grown up, in any sort of a charismatic, somebody's of God, Pentecostal, apostolic, word of faith kind of stuff, they tend to have this thing like, man, this is happening in your life, or you have not seen this because you don't have enough faith. And I mean, if you're if you're out there and you're like, hey man, like I've been I've heard that. Like I've heard that. I don't have enough faith, so that's why I'm not healed. That's what I've been told my entire life, or whatever it is. Here's the thing. There is, I'm not, I'm not saying, by the way that your faith doesn't matter because it does. There are lots of verses in the Bible that talk about how they came. someone came to Jesus and they're like, hey, Lord, I've got this thing and they would not let go. And Jesus is like, hey, it's because of your faith. Okay, so I'm not saying your faith doesn't matter because it does, but it is not always your faith that is the what is needed to bring about healing. It is not always your faith that is what is needed to bring about your healing. Sometimes you don't have enough faith for your healing, and that's why you're going to an elder. And guess whose faith that matters then? It's theirs. And so, man, if you've been in a spot where you're sitting here going, man, everything I'm dealing with is my fault because I don't have enough faith, you need to let that go. You need to go, man, God, like I choose today to trust you. I choose today to trust you because I can trust God. I should trust God. I must trust God, okay? And so I just like, I want to like, you may, your healing or your miracle, the reason why it hasn't happened, it may not be because of your faith. It could be, like there could be an aspect of that where you need to grow in your faith. But man, like the way God laid this out in James was I go to some people who have faith and you look through scripture and even through history, guys like Smith Wigglesworth, you see the disciples, all these different people, they were coming, even the people that came to Jesus were coming. They didn't have a lot of faith sometimes. They just were coming hoping for a miracle, okay? And so it's not always about your faith. Now we're going to flip over to a cool story. In Mark 9, if you got your Bibles, flip over there. We're going to be in Mark 9 and also in Acts 3 coming up. But here's the thing. When they return, this is Jesus, Peter, James, and John. They just came from the Mount of Transfiguration. It was crazy cool. Jesus like morphed into his like heavenly body, and Moses shows up, and Elijah shows up, and they're having this conversation, and Peter's like, we should build some tents for these guys, and we can all hang out and sing Kumbaya, and this is awesome. And so all this has just happened. So they're coming down, and the other disciples are down on the mountain. They're down below in the valley. 
When they came down, they saw a large crowd, this is verse 14, surrounding the disciples, okay? Some teachers of religious law were there arguing with them, and when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all, what is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. And then one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, hey, teacher, I brought you my son so that you could heal him, and he is possessed by an evil spirit, and that won't let him talk. So here's the third thing, okay? So, I need to be, be humble and ask for prayer. I need to understand it may not be because of my faith. The third thing is, man, I need people to bring me to Jesus. The thing I love about this father is he said, I need some help and I'm bringing my son to Jesus. Let me ask you this. Who is it in your life? If you're going through a situation, if you're, who is it in your life that is bringing you to Jesus? Who's praying for you? Who's lifting you up? Who's encouraging you? Who's challenging you? Who is it in your life that is bringing you to Jesus? Because you might, if you don't have anybody, you may need to stop and, and go back to point one and be humble and go, hey man, I'm walking through some stuff and I need a miracle and I need you to be bringing me to Jesus. I need you to be praying for me. And the second part of this is, man, who are you bringing to Jesus? Because guess what? This is not just about us needing a miracle because there's people all around you that need miracles. And so who is it that you are bringing to Jesus? Verse 18, whenever the spirit seizes him, this is the father talking, it throws him violently to the ground. Then, it foams, then he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Here's the fourth thing. I need to recognize that I am in a spiritual battle. There are sometimes we go through stuff in life that is just life, okay? There are sometimes we do things, we make mistakes, we have, there, there are just things in life that are just life and part of human experience. But then there are some things that are honestly, very truly a spiritual battle. These are things that we're going through that, man, it's not just a physical thing. It's not just a, it is a spiritual thing. I need to recognize I'm in a spiritual battle. And then these disciples, when they were doing this, they were like, oh man, hold up. We got something more going on here than what was there before. Okay, this isn't just a normal healing. This is, this is demonic. Okay, so I need to recognize I'm in a spiritual battle. Verse 19, you faithless people. Man, can you imagine like being like in that crowd? Gee, thanks, Lord. <laughs> Great. How, must I, how long must I be with you, Jesus asks. Again, he was just hanging out in his like heavenly body with Moses, Moses and Elijah. He's like, oh gosh, what is with these guys? Can I just go back home now? All right. How long must I put up with you, he asks. Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. He fell to the ground, writhing, foaming at the mouth. And then Jesus asked this, how long has this been happening? The father replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. That's big stuff, man. Can you imagine? Like, just for a second, I've had, I've had a very good friend of mine who I watched go through a, a very difficult season where they lost their five-year-old son to brain cancer, to a brain tumor. Can you put yourself in this father's spot for a second and just think about the anguish and the pain and the stuff he's going through? Man, when you're going through something, we can kind of handle that most of the time. But when our kids start to go through stuff, oh man, it's just, it's rough. And it wrecks everything in you. Like you're sitting there and you're watching this go on when, when either your spouse or your kids are going through stuff and you can't fix it. And it just breaks everything in you. And so the father says this to Jesus. And I want you to listen to his words. He goes, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Man, sometimes you get to a spot where you've tried everything, you've done everything. And by the way, the Jewish people, they had exorcists as well. Like Jesus actually confirmed this, that, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had people who could cast out demons. And so I promise you, this is not this father's first time of trying to get this demon out of this boy. And then this father's brought him to Jesus' disciples. And these guys, as we find out later, the disciples had already cast out demons. This was not their first time casting out demons. They weren't inexperienced at this. They had seen this before. And so they tried, the Pharisees have tried, 
everybody's tried to cast the demon out of this boy and nothing has worked. And so here's a very broken father speaking to Jesus and saying, have mercy on us and help us if you can. And Jesus asked this question, he goes, what do you mean if I can? And then he says this, anything is possible if a person believes. So here's the thing, just like sometimes it's not about my faith, there's one thing I need to do. I also need to grow in my faith. I need to grow and understand that, that there is a God who loves us very much and he is in control of so much more than I can ever imagine. And so I need to grow in my faith. And so this is really where we look at where I can trust God. You look, this is Jesus. I need to open up my eyes and understand who this God I serve is, who Jesus is. And when I understand who he is and what he has done in the past, I know that I can trust him for right here and right now. I love the father's response in Mark 9, 24. He says this, instantly the father cried out, I do believe, help me overcome my belief. So here's point six. Point five was I need to grow my faith, but point six is this. I've got to acknowledge my lack of belief and I've got to ask God to help me. I love that he goes right back to Jesus. He doesn't say to anybody else, hey man, y'all help me believe in in this Jesus. He talks to Jesus. He goes, I do believe, please help my unbelief. I've got to be able to go to God and I've got to be able to say, Father, like, you know where I'm struggling at. You know the places where I'm really struggling right now to believe you can. Okay, and there are going to be some times in this walk of faith where you're going to have some days where you're going to be like, man, God, when are you going to, can you, I don't, I don't even know anymore because of what you've walked through. And in those moments, I've got to come back and I've got to acknowledge where I have a lack of belief, a lack of trust, and I've got to ask God to help me. Mark 9, 25, and 29, 25 through 29. We're going to wrap up this story here. There's one last thing to this, this story. So when you look at what we see in this story, um, obviously in James, we got to be humble and ask for prayer. I've got to understand that it may not be because of my faith that I haven't seen my miracle yet. Um, I need people to bring me to Jesus. I need to recognize I'm in a spiritual battle. I need to grow in my faith. I need to acknowledge my lack of belief and ask God to help me. And then here's the thing. The next thing is this. I need to grow in my practice of prayer and fasting. So when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing in Mark 9, 25, he rebuked the evil spirit, come out, get out of him. The spirit screams in verse 26, <laughs> threw the boy into their violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead, but Jesus took him by the hand, the boy, and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, because again, they had cast out demons before. They had done this before. And so they asked Jesus, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? And then Jesus replied this. He said, this kind can only come out by prayer. Some versions say prayer and fasting. There are some things in my life that aren't going to come out until I put in some time of prayer and fasting. And I'm, like that is the one thing I know from my life that I go, man, if there's something I need to grow in personally, it's my life of prayer. It's my life of fasting. I would imagine that most of us could probably say the same thing. There are, some, there are some battles that we win when we pray and when we fast. There are some battles that are won because we have prayed and because we have fasted. And I want to challenge you, if you've not done that, if you've got questions about that, man, put it in the chat box today. Talk to us at the church. We'd be happy to walk you through what that looks like to grow in that. But I need to grow. All right. In Acts 3, so grab your Bibles, flip over, now you've been in Mark, flip over to Acts chapter 3. So here's where we're at. Jesus has, has gone to the cross, he's been crucified, uh, he's risen from the dead, he's talked to his disciples, and then he's now ascended in heaven, okay? Peter had just, the Holy Spirit had just fallen on these guys a chapter before in Acts 2. God rocked Jerusalem, people are all over going like, what the world is going on? People are getting saved, all this cool stuff. And at this time, by the way, Christianity was entirely Jewish. 
Okay, I want you to understand that. Like we have now in this modern day and era, we look at at this as being kind of like a, a not a Jewish thing, but Christianity was entirely a Jewish thing at this point. And the disciples did not see themselves as a part of the Jewish faith, but as a continuance of it. Okay? And so when we get to verse 3, here's what's going on. Peter and John are going to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. These guys were still going to the temple. They were still being a part of the Jewish, what was going on in, the, in that time. Okay, so they're on the way to the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man who was lame from birth was being carried in. Each day, pay attention to that word, each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked intently at him, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. Um, and by the way, for him, because he was lame, he couldn't provide for himself. He couldn't provide for a family. And so this dude at this point is almost 40 years old, we find out later on, or probably over 40 years old. And so he's everything he's got in his life is what he's been able to beg, okay? And Peter, in verse 6, says this, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but what I give you is what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened, and he jumped up and stood on his feet and began to walk. Then leaping and running and praising God, he went to the temple with them. By the way, the lame weren't allowed to enter the temple, so this is probably his first time of ever getting to go into the temple. So here's, here's point eight. I need to be around people who have more faith than me. You look at this guy, he didn't have faith for where he was at. He wasn't even thinking about that, okay? He didn't come to these guys for healing. He's sitting there and he's asking them for money. Healing, faith, and that was nowhere near his radar. I've got to have people around me that have more faith than I do for things, that can see something in my life that, that needs to be done, a miracle in my life, that I don't even, even realize is even possible. These guys walk up and they're going, dude, we don't have silver or gold. We can give you something a whole lot better. And he's like, what is that? That's all I need. No, man, you need to be healed. And they heal them. We have got to have people. You have to have, when you are going through points in your life where you need a miracle, you've got to have people around you that have more faith than you do. All right, so now you're probably sitting there going, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought, Pastor Josh, this was about miracles that don't happen, okay? But so far, like this dude got healed and then Jesus healed the other guy. Well, if you remember, Jesus did heal the boy, but that wasn't the first time that that man had tried to have his son healed, okay? So that miracle didn't happen for a while. Now we get to this one, and obviously it looks like this guy's been healed right away. But here's what I want you, I want you to look at one other verse in this whole story, because it actually continues on for a whole other chapter. In Acts 4.21, uh, the last half of 21 in 22b, everyone is praising the Lord, okay? These guys are all praising, because this was a miraculous sign, it tells us. This is Dr. Luke, the writer of Acts. He says, the healing of the man who had been lame for more than 40 years. So this guy had been lame for 40 years. Now, I want you to think about something I said earlier. Remember the first like phrase I told you at the very beginning? Each day he was being put beside the temple gate. This is up in Acts chapter 3. Here's the thing. This guy had been going to this temple gate for a long time. Do you know who walked past this temple gate? Do you know who's been walking past this temple gate for a long time, going in and out? There was this guy named Jesus, happened to be the son of God. He had walked past this gate time and time again over the last 33 years of his life. He was, he was, because this guy, this guy was older than Jesus. Jesus walked past him, was carried in past him when his parents had him circumcised. Jesus walked past this guy when he was 12 years old and he went in and he was teaching in the temple. Jesus walked past this guy countless times when he, and how many times do you think that guy was like, man, maybe today's my day. 
years, this man has watched the Son of God walk by him, sometimes not knowing who he was, sometimes knowing exactly who he was and seeing this crowd of people around him and people getting healed. And this guy's gone now. And so he had for years been waiting for his healing. So here's the next thing I see. I need to understand that sometimes it's not about my faith, but it's about God's timing. I don't understand sometimes why God says wait. I don't. In this case, God had this man wait because when he when when this healing was done, it changed not just this man's life, but hundreds of people's lives that were there and going, wait a minute, what just happened? What what just happened? But I don't always understand why things don't happen, but I do need to understand that it's not always about my faith. It's not always about somebody else's faith. It's about God's timing. So here's the thing. I can trust God, number one. Remember that? I can trust God. What's the second thing? I should trust God. I should trust God because he sees and he knows more than I do. He knows what's going on. I should trust God. Here's the thing. The miracle you're praying for right now, it may not happen right now. It may not happen this year. It may not happen next year. It may not happen the next five years. It may not even happen on this side of heaven. That's all the more reason why we have to trust the Lord. Here's the thing. We rarely, and I don't, I don't even know if we ever do, but, but maybe a little bit, we ever really get a picture, a full picture of what God is actually doing. I love in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews is talking about all these people of faith. And then it goes, it talks about how they receive people back from the dead and all the miracles that were done. But then it goes into this whole thing about how some of them were beheaded and sawed in half and persecuted and went about as, as, as beggars and looking for food and all this different stuff. And, he, and it says that they didn't actually get like they, 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 they were too good for the earth. In chapter 11, verse 39, the very last two verses of chapter 11, it says this, all of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. And yet none of them received, I love this word, all that God had promised. They may have received some of it, but they didn't receive all. And he says this, for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. In other words, God's going, hey guys, guess what? I'm doing something, but I'm doing something way here. And I need you to do your part right here because if you do your part right here, then when we get to right here, it's all going to make sense. And so in chapter 12, it opens up just a verse later. The writer says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, here's all these people. Some of them have received their miracles. Some of them didn't receive any miracles. But all of them, all of them didn't receive all that was promised. And they're sitting there and they're going, come on, you can do this. You can do this. I just need you to trust God. I need you to understand it's not about your faith. It's not about their faith sometimes. It's about you need to trust God. You need to put your faith into action and trust God that he sees something you don't see because someday we're going to get it. Someday we're going to get it. Last thing about the beggar, and this is point 10. He kept showing up at the house of God to be around the people of God. And he may have come looking for money, but God had ordained healing for him that was so much greater than the money that he was trying to get. Okay, and it had to come not through Jesus in the flesh because Jesus, remember, had walked past him multiple times. God had ordained healing for this man through the people of Peter and John. And so here's the thing. I need to keep showing up to be around the people of God. Last two things. We're going to wrap up with this. Our last story, really. In 2 Corinthians 12, this has always just been a very interesting portion of Scripture for me. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. So 2 Corinthians 12, the last half of verse 7 through verse 10. Paul has just gone on. And he's been teaching the Corinthians and talking to them about all the things he's experienced and all the reasons why um, his walk with God has just been crazy cool. He's had visions and the times he's been beaten and all the different things like this. And so he goes through all this different stuff, the things he's seen, the things he's experienced, why he's done all this great stuff. And then he goes this. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. 
Three different times I've begged the Lord to take it away, and each time he said this, my grace is all you need, and my power works best in weakness. And so Paul says this, so now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that in the power, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles I suffer for Christ because when I am weak, then I am strong. So here's the thing, what I'm looking at when my miracle hasn't happened yet, when I'm looking at this and going, God, what's going on? I've got to do all these different things. I've got, I've got, to, I've got to remember that I need to be humble and ask for prayer. I need to remember that I've got to understand that it, that it may not be because of my faith. I've got, to, I've got to have people that will bring me to Jesus. I need to recognize I'm in a spiritual battle. I need to grow in my faith. I need to acknowledge my lack of belief and ask God to help me. I need to grow in my practice of prayer and fasting. I need to be around people who have more faith than me. I've got to understand that sometimes it's not about my faith, but about God's timing. But And I've got, and I've got to have someone in my life that, and really just me, I've got to keep showing up to be around the people of God. I've got to do all those things, but I have got to know at the end of the day, I need to know that God is enough. And that's what Paul's experiencing. He's done all these different things. And by the way, Paul was a crazy, cool miracle worker. People were healed, raised from the dead, all these different things. But there was one thing in Paul's life that God allowed to remain there. He calls it a, a thorn in his flesh. And I've got to assume that's maybe a physical thing because he's speaking about his physical body. But Paul's also talked about something inside. So I don't know. We don't know what it was. But there was something in Paul's life that he had to rely on the grace of God to make it through. Because God's like, hey, guess what? If you do this in your own strength, you're not going to be very strong. But if you embrace the weakness you've got and you lean into my strength, man, I've got you. I've got to know that God's enough. Uh, there's a picture, and I'll send it to Shamray and hopefully we'll get it up here. There's a picture that Norman Rockwell did of a, of a young boy standing in front of a, this, this muscle poster guys and he's really really skinny he's like and i just kind of laughed when i thought about that because man like that's a picture of us and god we want to try to like put the the weights on and we're gonna get this we're gonna get really strong and god's like bro like i'm sorry you're still this big you're still this big you ain't gonna do it man and when i try to be strong in my own strength i push out of the way the one who is strong enough to carry it all when i try to do my own strength and i've got to embrace my weaknesses the last thing is this, I've got to have faith in God. Jesus, right after he told his disciples, hey, they're, in the, they're at the Last Supper, and he's like, hey, guys, this is what's going on. This is what's about to happen. I'm going to be crucified. You guys are going to scatter. He goes through the whole thing. He lays it all out for him. In chapter 14, verse 1 of, of the book of John, Jesus says to his disciples, hey, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. When I'm looking at when my miracle hasn't happened, and these disciples were looking at some miracles that were not about to happen at the moment. At least they didn't, they couldn't see it. Jesus just told them I'm being crucified. You guys are going to run away. This is going to be really, really bad. They couldn't see the miracle. What do they have to do? They had to put their faith in God. Jesus says, trust in God, trust also in me. And so here's my thing for you today. The three things I told you, that we started off with, and I need you to know these three things. I need to know, need you to know that you can trust God. You can trust God. He is trustworthy. You can trust him. And I know sometimes we look at situations and things we're going through and go, man, God, I don't know, if, but I'm going to tell you something. You can trust God. Like the second thing, you should trust God. You should. He sees more than you will ever know. He can see the end. He can see the beginning. He can see right where you're at. He knows what you're about to walk through. He knows what you're walking through right now. And because he knows those things, because he is so far outside of our world and he sees things we don't know, 
you should trust God. You can trust him, but you should trust him because he sees more than you'll ever do. And the last thing, and I hope you guys get these three things, you must trust God. You have to. If you try to do this in your own strength, in your own abilities, you will always come up short. It may look good for a little bit of time, but at the end, you're going to come up short because God created us, designed us, put us together in a way that we have to be dependent upon him. And you may not have the messenger from Satan that Paul did, but you may have a miracle that you need right now that you're walking through. I want to tell you that I don't know what it is. I know in our family, we've been going on now eight years and we had a three-year break, but with Kelly's cancer, eight years is a long time to be going, God, when's the miracle coming? When's the miracle coming? And I don't know when the miracle's coming, but I do know that I can trust him and I should trust him and I must trust him. And that is my prayer for you today. And so we're going to close in prayer. And I just want you just in your own way, I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm going to pray this for myself, but I want you just to pray this for yourself at home too. And it's just simply this, just say, Lord, I trust you. And God, I give you this situation. And I just want you right now where you're at, just, just say, Lord, I give you and whatever it is that you're walking through, your miracle that has not happened. And Lord, I ask for you to work a miracle in this. Lord, if I don't see the answer right away, God, I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep coming to you and I'm going to keep going, Lord, I need this miracle. Lord, like, like the woman that you told the story of who would go to the unjust judge and ask over and over and over and over again until she got her answer. Lord, where you came to us in, in Matthew, you told us to ask and seek and knock, to keep asking, to keep seeking. God, we keep bringing you today and tomorrow and the next, our miracle. Lord, we need this. But God, we come to you because we know that you can and that you have the right answer. Lord, we trust you. Lead us and guide us, God, in this moment, in this season. Give us wisdom to do the right thing and the wisdom to know when we need to wait. And Lord, we just say we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that was not too discouraging. I hope it was encouraging. I know sometimes we sit there and we go, man, God, where are you at? But I'm tell you something. God is right next to you. He sees you. He sees right where you're at. And regardless of what you're going through, when the answer comes, when it doesn't come, he still is a God that you can trust, and his way is the best way. One last thought. If you have not ever read the book, Hind's Feet in High Places, I challenge you, if you're going through a spot where you're like, hey, I need a miracle, that's a great book to read right now. Love you guys, and you have a great week, and we'll see you back here next week. Take care.